We talk with a mom and a nonprofit organization founder about Tennessee's education system, the wit and wisdom curriculum, and what exactly social and emotional learning is. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble, and not Kevin Kukaji this week. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Gary, I'm, I'm going to throw it right to you because I don't have a choice this time because Kevin's not here. So yeah, it's well, up to you again. You're like, what, what's in, what's interesting? What's going on? Well, I actually, I just, I found it interesting that Kevin is apparently stuck, you know, trying to do something with his cell phone because he, he couldn't make it. You know, he missed recording and he's, he's trying to get here. Yeah. But he started out by saying, I can't get out of Verizon. I'm so mad. Right. And then a few texts down, he was frustrated that he couldn't get out of AT&T. So he doesn't know where he is. He's so mad <laughs> that he does not know where he is. Or which cell phone provider he has. <laughs> <laughs> or which one he's trying to switch to. Yeah. So actually knowing that, I kind of feel for him. But thankfully, in Kevin's absence, it just so happened magically that we scheduled a guest, which well, we'll get to in a moment. Who? Oh, in a moment. We're not going to get to that now? Well, no, we will get to it now. Okay. I wanted to set this up. Okay, set it up. You guys set the stage. I'm ready. All right. So we had been getting a lot of messages, and um, I've seen this going around socials, a lot of parents talking about. And, you know, some of these things, people will send us messages uh, through social media on Tennessee Stands like, hey, what do we do about this? Number one, as if we know all of the things that happen across the state of Tennessee, which we try to, but we don't always. And secondly, we're also supposed to know how to fix everything. Um, don't you have a magic wand? <laughs> which, that's a tall order. But, you know, look, I appreciate that, and I'm glad people reach out because this is how we find out about a lot of this stuff. So there's a Franklin County High School in Winchester, Tennessee, hmm. and there was an assignment given to these high school students Basically, to answer questions, I don't really know what the what the purpose of the assignment was, uh, but they're supposed to answer these questions. It's just an exercise, and here's here's some of the questions that were given to these high school students uh, from this assignment. Again, high school students, do you have a favorite sexual fantasy? Would you like to have it fulfilled? If you can imagine killing someone indirectly, could you see yourself doing so if you had to look into the person's eyes and stab the person to death? I'm, I'm, what? Yeah, I'm going to keep going. On an airplane, you are talking pleasantly to a stranger of average appearance. Unexpectedly, the person offers you $10,000 for one night of sex, knowing that there is no danger and that payment is certain. Would you accept the offer? Um, oh, here's a good one. Since so many people are willing to have sex for money, why is such a strong stigma attached to prostitution? Uh, what? I got one. No, I got one more. <laughs> Can you urinate in front of another person? What you got, John? I I don't know that I have much because I don't know. First of all, I don't have a whole lot of context on this. But second of all, I don't see what context would make it relevant to what is what is why are we asking these questions what is this being used for yeah so that's what we're going to get to with our guest and uh we have with us trisha lucente who is part of an organization here based out of williamson county 
called Parents' Choice Tennessee. And I, I asked Trisha to come on the show because one of the things that I know she's, uh, by the way, welcome, Trisha. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, one of the things that she's going to get into, I'm sure, is SEL. This is social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this way back when Tennessee stands and when if anybody listening remembers when our commission of education, Penny Schwinn, was going to do well-being checks, you know, all over the state during COVID whenever our schools were locked down and, you know, all the things. And we started looking a little bit closer into who she was, you know, how how could the, the commission of education come up with such an idea? You know, where does she come from? And what we begin to learn as we were battling critical race theories, that there was something deeper going on. It's not just these things carry many names, but the foundation of all of these obscene materials and everything being provided in our schools, at the end of the day, is social-emotional learning. It's uh, Penny calls it whole education of the whole child. You know, we're not just teaching your kids to read and write. We're developing their, their worldview, essentially, which I think should only be the job of a parent. But, um, you know... Of course, I'll read this uh, part of this letter. Parents got in an uproar. The principal of the school responded with a public letter saying about, oh, we're so sorry, this is unfortunate. Mr. Gibson, who was the teacher that handed out this assignment, the principal says, Mr. Gibson is a man of integrity, and he would never intentionally, have never intentionally exposed students to this material. I met with Mr. Gibson this morning, and a letter is being sent home to parents. We, have, we sincerely apologize for this mistake. So no harm, no foul. As we continue to see this insanity happen in our schools, no one takes it out, and no one's held accountable. It, it happens. We're sorry. And then it just continues to happen. And that's mm. where we are here in the in the in the red Bible Belt state of Tennessee. So, what are some things you're seeing here, Tricia? So, I looked into that specific incident, which was really interesting because I found that that email from the principal it it's disappointing because here we have social emotional learning, which is it is essentially creating an overreach, and it is taking the place of a parent teaching how to cope with emotions and how to live in society and how to view society and how to view our culture and whatnot. And so you've got this teacher who gives out all these questions and how could he not know? How could they not vet it? Teachers, I'd like to think that all teachers are great teachers, but they're not all great teachers. And the premise of most social emotional learning and even CRT is that teachers have become facilitators. They're not actually even teaching anymore. They are facilitating information from publishers and who have whatever agenda to children. And these are scripted materials. So wherever this teacher got this, whether he vetted it or not, was it should have been vetted. And even if it wasn't, it has to pass through somebody's hands, you know, well, before it gets to the child. Well, so when you look this up, so because the story is, oh, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, how could this possibly have gotten it? It came from something called the Book of Questions. 
So you found this. I did. I looked it up, and then I looked up, um, besides just looking up the book, I looked up what references teachers may have as a teaching tool, and I found one. Which you uh, would think if you were a teacher, yes. you're going to look at that. Absolutely. Okay. They, they share everything. So on there, I found one thing about improving your intimate relationship with your students, and that was the only reference of a teacher using it in any sort of lesson. And so on the back of this book, it says— Wait, wait. This book— is meant to improve the intimate relationship with your students? Well, it's not actually marketed towards teachers. It is just a book that is a I mean, I'm self- already freaked out. Yeah, yeah that's it's weird. A, it's a self-discovery tool. I don't want you to have an intimate relationship with your teacher. Not at all. Exactly. No. Exactly. And that's where social-emotional learning is coming in. That teaching the whole child is their mind, body, soul. You know, it is their emotions. It's their heart. It's their views on society. And, and, and if you're going to succeed at that, you need to build that intimate parental rapport with these students. Well, that that's where they don't, right? So the teacher builds that rapport. And then your children are going to them as their trusted source. So your teacher, and we see all the time in, in the news these reports of, of clubs and, and lessons and things that, you know, involving gender and all kinds of things that they say don't tell your parents about. Hmm. And they are creating the divide between the family and the parents, and they're replacing that with teachers and ideas and, you know, societal outlook and whatnot. But anyway, this teacher said, oh, I, I had no idea, but but this is the back cover of the book. Yeah, the back cover yeah, of the read book. Yeah, what you so, got there. So it says, ask yourself, ask your friends, ask your parents, ask someone you hardly know. The book of questions gives you permission to ask those things that are too bold, too embarrassing, or just too difficult to ask by yourself. You will find questions of integrity, of sex, of what you would do for money, even things too personal to talk about out loud. Whether you use it as a tool for self-discovery or as a provocative way to stimulate conversation, this book is constantly challenges attitudes, orals, beliefs, and challenges you. All right. Can I can I have some context? Who who Mr. Gibson was that his name? Yeah. The teacher? High what, school teacher. What kind of teacher? He's What's a he? he's a history teacher. He's a history mm-hmm. history teacher. History teacher. And this book is not a part of curriculum. This is a book no. he brought in? Correct. Individually. And the story is that he, it was an end of the year assignment that he got so that the kids could potentially, I guess, you know, I don't know, look in on themselves, uh, learn more about themselves. Because and- that has to do with history. How? Exactly. That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Okay. But you're, but you're missing the point, John. He he didn't know. Right. He had no idea that even though it says in the back of the book, we're about to ask questions about provocative questions about right. sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I see, I didn't even realize that this wasn't part of the curriculum. This is just like an extracurricular thing he right. decided to bring into the classroom. Right. right. Yep. Hmm. That changes things. Yeah. But no, John, it's all good. Why? Mr. Gibson is a man of integrity. So has anything progressed about this? I mean, where, where are we at right now with this? I mean, shockingly, there's teachers in Williamson County that were suspended for deviating for the curriculum. And here you have a teacher that brought in some obscene material and parents were outraged, many parents. And 
There's no suspension. We've not heard of anything, so I don't know. Yeah, well, let's but, so let's dig into that double standard really quick because I actually don't know. I know it happened, but I don't know. So this thing in Williamson County, teacher deviates from, I think, like deviated from wit and wisdom. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. And, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a math one, too. In yeah. a way that you and I would want her to. She was working right. to keep CRT and wit and wisdom out of her teaching correct, so that she could just teach Right. And, that, and so that it could meet the state standards. She was, they, they, it was three teachers and they were worried about their kids not meeting the standards and, and not excelling. So they supplemented with other materials. And I guess one parent complained and uh, the, the principal got suspended and the three teachers, which to me is more about setting a precedence because they've been told not to deviate. And they were they were suspended because they they chose not to teach social emotional learn. They deviated right. from that requirement, right? And were suspended, right? This guy, completely outside of approved curriculum, mm-hmm. brings in a book about sex and prostitution, and a huge, massive parental outcry from across the state. Mm-hmm. And it's all good. He didn't mean it. He's a man of integrity. Uh, that's all that we know. That's incredible. Which is, it's, it's wild is what is, it is. Uh, is SEL, well, this guy's a history teacher, so that answers my question. I was about to ask, is it taught across the board by multiple teachers or is it only taught? Because the way it was initially explained to me is that it was only taught by counselors. Well, so it was used as a tool of therapy years, mm. years and years ago. And then it got rolled into education as part of that teaching the whole child, you know, uh, as nurturing the whole child and teaching them empathy, teaching them social skills, ke- teaching them how to cope with feelings, which sounds really good. It sounds like a great thing. But, you know, one, our teachers are not therapists. So when they throw heavy topics at them, they're putting the burden of therapist on the teachers. And two, you know, social emotional learning has become a, I look at it like this. So if social emotional learning is a railroad track, CRT is the train, Mm. you know, it lays the framework and it lays the track so that you will see and children will see the world through a critical race lens, you know, they will see it as a critical theorist. Which means you can put other trains on that track. That's right. So so CRT might be riding on the track today, but there could be another train coming. Oh, gender fluidity. I'm sure it's right behind. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you continue to to keep that social emotional track there. Yeah. So you're, you're with an organization called Parents Choice Tennessee. Just tell us a little bit about what you do through that organization. And and then we will dive a little bit deeper into your findings and and how you're trying to address social emotion, social emotional learning in our schools? Well, so I have a kindergartner in Williamson County Schools. And, you know, in the in August, we had the whole mask everything. So one of my very good friends is a lawyer. And we thought, what can we do about this mask mandate? And we started looking into doing a lawsuit. So I said, you know, let's make an organization so people can donate to it. And let's roll under that. That way we can also represent a group of parents. We have a lot of parents that are concerned and a lot of people that we know and talk to in our community that agree and and are, you know, we all... I don't know, have common principles and whatnot. So I started the organization and then we all kind of came together. And then I dove deeper after we had a mask mandate gone and all that jazz. I started looking into the curriculum and looking into wit and wisdom because I have a kindergartner. This is all new to me. August was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I've never seen anything like it before. And I'm kind of like late in the game to parents being concerned. So Moms for Liberty did their deep dive on it. And I went through all their materials 
And I essentially spent the last six months or more reading every teacher manual and every book and every implementation guide and every, Mm. you know, all of those things to see what's in it and why is it there and how bad is it and, and to pick it apart, you know. So hopefully we're going to be doing something about it. And we've been kind of preparing something and... It's going to be good. <laughs> so, well, what? So I don't know what you can and can't tell us, but what, right. what can you do about it? Well, you know, as any regular parent, you can pay attention to who you're voting for. You mm. know, you can pay attention to who your school board members are because aside from hopefully getting rid of this curriculum, they could throw something just as bad in, in its place. So what they really need to do, at least here in Williamson County, and I'm sure in many other places, is they need better policy. They need a policy. They need to figure out how they're vetting these things because they're not. You know, when you look at the process of how they got wit and wisdom in there, they did not properly vet this. They had like two weeks. They had a committee and they had about two weeks. And then when the administration presented it to the school board, she presented it in like, I don't know, a three minute little, let me tell you about it. And then they voted unanimously to adopt it. They didn't know anything about it. This has got so many books in it. There's no way that was those were all read by the committee members, you know. And they talk about in emails that they looked at this Ed Week report and how great it was. And and then that's a far left nonprofit that yeah. that you, takes the highest bidder to give reviews on materials, teaching materials. Mm. So it's it's a wild story of how wit and wisdom got in there. But besides getting it out, they need to have better policy. They need to have better policy. We need to pay attention to what the content, what the age appropriateness is. You know, we have ratings on movies, on video games. There's age limits on so many things. Why aren't there age brackets or age, you know, limitations on content in Mm. our schools? And that's not like a Let's ban all the books. Let's censor everything. But hey, let's make age groups. You know, the the little kids need to not be seeing certain things. The bigger kids, okay, they can handle that. The, you know, the high schoolers, maybe they can handle that. You know, not questions about sex, but because that's not appropriate either. Sure. But, you know, there's an age and when things are appropriate, you know. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. Like movies, video games, those all have age ranges, but mm-hmm. but the content we're providing our kids in school don't carry those same age-appropriate right. ratings. That's sort of crazy to think mm. about. Yeah. Well, so, but let's dig a little deeper underneath strictly regarding social-emotional learning, because it's not just wit and wisdom, which is a particular curriculum that teaches SEL types of things. SEL has sort of weaved its way into a math lesson you, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, you know, history lessons everywhere and everything. What's happening there? How do you, how do we, I mean, what kind of, I'm just thinking out loud, what, what kind of policy or legislation do you pass to restrict our teachers from emotionally instructing our students, I guess? I mean, right. It's one thing to try to ban, you know, we've tried to ban CRT and mm-hmm. we're trying to ban wit and wisdom. Which is a great theory, but you know, the laws and the legislation mean nothing until you enforce them. You know, they could be doing whatever they're doing and until somebody calls them on it, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not caught speeding, if you're not pulled over for speeding, then by all means do it. You know, there's nobody going to hold you accountable. 
which quite frankly is what happened at this Franklin High School. You you have a teacher who provided kids with illicit material mm-hmm. and then nothing happened. This is why I supported the initial version of HB 1944 and then was against the final version because initially I would think that that initial bill would have covered something like this. In you know, in law in general, if an adult provides a minor with obscene material. I mean, if if you um, have me over to your house and and you leave me with your child for two hours and whatever, and I provide your child with illicit material, obscene material, uh, you call them the cops, mm-hmm. right? And I'm in trouble. You know, Tennessee law, my first offense is a class A misdemeanor. Uh, subsequent offense is a class C felony, okay? But the problem with that law is if you're in education, if you're an educator, you're exempt. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Well, yeah, I'm providing, you know, obscene material, but I'm educating. I'm teaching children how to critically think, you know, I'm shaping their worldview. So the initial bill would have just simply said, no, it doesn't matter if you're in school or not. If you provide a child with obscene material, you're going to jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, We supported that. And I think potentially that would have covered something like this. Probably. Yeah. So that's why we supported it. But, uh, But at the end of the day, it got amended, amended, amended to death. And what we wanted to do now was give school, local school boards the authority to determine what is obscene and not obscene in their schools. And my problem with that is school boards do that now. Oh, yeah. They don't do that now. Yeah, well, they yeah. sit and they argue. I've sat in so many work sessions and I've l- listened to so many back, you know, backdated work sessions. And those are where the real meat and potatoes happen. You know, it's not the school board meetings that mm-hmm. we all like to go yeah. to. It's the work sessions, the four hour, five hour long ones where they they back and forth and back and forth. And so they're not doing that. And I really don't think they care to do that. Because, and then you also have that they argue over it. So this person thinks age appropriate is a totally different thing than, you know, what you think is age appropriate. And they love to throw that at you. Miss Lucente, what you think is age appropriate may not be what this parent thinks is age appropriate. So we can't change everything for one person. I understand, but somebody needs to set a standard, a standard age range, a something. And our school board... I mean, I don't know that our state is even equipped to do that. No, no one is really setting no, the standards. No, somebody has, but, you know, maybe if we get a good school board. Joe Biden. Right? Joe yeah, Biden right. is setting yeah. the standards. Well, it goes back to your your comments about movies and video games. Like, some parents let their kids watch R-rated movies. Right. I don't. Right. Me either. But at least there's a standard there to let me know what's in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I pay attention to the apps that are on my kids, yeah. you know, iPad, and and I don't let him. I, I don't. We don't watch those type of things, and and so I can't control what other people do. But people will say, "Oh, well, they're looking at worse things at home in their video games." Well, probably if you let them do it, mm-hmm. you know. But that doesn't mean everybody's doing that, and it doesn't mean that schools need to be doing it. They see enough negativity. They see enough negativity in the world. They yeah. don't need to see it at school. Yeah. So uh, what I want to do, though, is is read this because I, I want to really dig in. I, I want you to address what are they doing with social-emotional learning. So, so for example, I read a question like this that, that came from this book of questions that this, this teacher brought into this high school classroom. If you can imagine yourself killing someone indirectly, could you still see yourself doing so if you had to look the person in the eye and stab the person to death? What what are you what are you trying to accomplish with that kind of material whenever you put that in front of a student? 
Well, so when you teach them to critical think at that level, now in the case of wit and wisdom and a lot of social emotional learning, it is to create good citizens. They are shaping the type of people that are coming out of the classroom, the type of people that are going to be our our senators and that are going to be our bankers and are, you know, that are going to run our society soon. So when you break down and you desensitize children, even young adult children, to negativity and to violence and to misery over and over and over, then what they do, and I've found in a lot of curriculum and a lot of books, not just wit and wisdom, is they plug in injustice. So they plug in injustice and they plug in violence and they desensitize children. And then they're at the same time teaching them empathy and social awareness. And so they are, you know, they're going to come out of school being little activists to look for the problems in the world and then to look for solutions for them. So I watched a guy speak and I can't remember his name, but it stuck with me. He talked about how in the early 1900s, there were these propaganda magazines and in there it talked about, there was one little, you know, section that was talking about the government and people wanting to go up against the government. And it says in there, the way to change the government is to take advantage of the plasticity of children. Mm. And if you think about it, you really think about it. Our kids are so malleable. You know, so when you plant ideas in their brain, when you like, you know, they spend more time at school than they do with us. They are there for eight hours a day and and those teachers are becoming their trusted confidant adults. My kindergartner tells my te- his teacher everything. It's crazy. And so they are their trusted adults and then they're plugging in these subjects and they're poking at traumatic topics. So right, it's, if you put it all together... When you see somebody trying to disrupt the government, and I hate to be kind of sound conspiracy theory, but when you see the government changing and twisting, it is a direct result, I think, of curriculum and of the things they're teaching kids and of what's going on in schools that we've not known about or not paid attention to for years. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned desensitization, and that's really when I look at SEL and, and being malleable. That's what you have to do with children is desensitize them to so many things so that, like you say, you can plant these ideas and shape their worldview. I, I wrote a commentary this week, you know, thinking about the shooting in, uh, I guess you, you pronounce it, John Uvalde, y- something yeah, like that. Sure. Okay. You're the one from Texas, <laughs> not me. All right, I don't know. Uh but, you know, somewhere close to the border down in Texas and this school shooting, which last I checked, and I could, that could have changed. But last I saw the death toll at 21. I don't know, that was as of yesterday. 19 kids and two adults. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is tragic. And, and you look at how commonplace these things have become. You know, we had, what was it, a, a grocery, grocery store, store. in mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago. And it seems to me these people, more and more people are committing these heinous acts. And you look at our culture and you look at our children being completely desensitized to sex and death and all the things. And you wonder, you know, everybody wants to talk about gun control. You know, this isn't about gun control. This is about what's happening in our culture. And it all starts with our public schools. Most, most adults... I don't know what that percentage is, but God help us if we don't start homeschooling more of our children. 
But most adults are going to have come out of the public school system. The public school system is going to be the, the main way that generations literally are, are shaped and worldviews are formed, especially if parents aren't more active in what's going on. So the social-emotional learning stuff is really scary because it, it's become more and more accepted that, you know, again, when you have – I'm going to go back to Penny Schwinn. When you have in Tennessee the what's supposed to be a, a red state and the Bible Belt, and your commissioner of education comes on board – and she's telling you, I mean, she's she's doing videos, she's putting out materials. It's, you can go look. It's all over the Tennessee Department of Education's website and material accessible to the public. And she's putting out the, these ideas of the whole child. You know, her entire mission in life is to teach the whole child and care for their emotional well-being. And that should scare the hell out mm -hmm. of every mm -hmm. conservative parent in mm -hmm. Tennessee. It's a stated purpose from our education department that well, there's something more going on. Let me correct you. That should scare the hell out of any parent. Yeah, right. It should scare the mm -hmm. hell out of any parent. Yeah, but liberal parents seem but to be should. okay with a lot. It, it sounds great in theory. It really does. It sounds so good. Oh, they're going to learn to socialize. Oh, they're going to learn so you know social awareness and empathy and and friendships and to have relationships with other people. You know, okay, that sounds great. But I think it places a huge burden on teachers. I really, you know, people go on and on about how parents should be outraged. You know, I think teachers should be upset over it too, especially in Tennessee. There are teachers afraid for their job because of some of the material that they're being given to teach and told to teach with fidelity, you know. And so when you have a teacher who's afraid to teach from a certain book, that's a problem. And when you have a teacher that's put in a position of a therapist, that's a big burden, you know, and that is not something they should, they shouldn't have to worry in that way. It's now, not their job. It's not. And you know what? They're not licensed for that either. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to push social emotional learning and you want it to be this giant emotional and, and therapeutic push, then why aren't we licensing our teachers for more things? Why don't they have more professional development or something of some, you know, it's kind of contradictory. They want all these things and they say it's so great, but our teachers have no qualifications for that and they shouldn't have to get them. They shouldn't. But at the same time, you know, there's so many ways to question, like, why are they doing this? And what is a good you know, they're not backing it up with their actions because if it was really that great and it was really so wonderful, would they not be licensing teachers for as therapists? Mm -hmm. Would they not be adding professional development to teach them how to have these therapy sessions and, you know, uh, community circles they have in high school that they have in high school here? Where they get together, the kids sit in a circle, they're supposed to talk about their feelings, if something's going on in their world. It's supposed to give the teachers a chance to check in with them. And I know a teacher from Brentwood High who has since left, and she said that she hated doing them because it made her feel so uncomfortable. And so she told her kids that you don't have to participate if you want to. And they said to her, we are so glad, even though what stays in the circle is supposed to stay in the circle. Nobody keeps yeah, it in here. Everybody talks about it. <laughs> what stays, <laughs> what yeah. happens in high school stays in high school. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's so not true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and wow. so like you mentioned earlier, the teachers who are trying to opt out of these are, are being penalized. They're being suspended. So now there's right. precedent showing them, hey, you have no options here. 
right. whether you like it or not, you are going to go through this social emotional mm-hmm. or or we're going to or we're going to punish you as a school district. Right. Yeah, so, they school teachers do not have it good no. here. No. So I have a question. It goes back a few conversations uh, to when you were talking about the board right. approving wit and wisdom in like, what'd you say, two two weeks or something? They like had that? about two weeks and they had a committee. So they have a committee that looks into it and the committee gets all the curriculums they're looking at, all the materials from the state. And they only get a, you know, a small amount of materials. Mm. And then the committee is teachers and parents. And, it, you know, one teacher from each school and one parent from each school, each elementary school. And they were given, so Wit and Wisdom is not, it does not, it failed the state standards for K through two. Cool. Right. Exactly. Awesome. So they were, they were told they would get a waiver. And so Julie Oyer, who is a director of curriculum here in Williamson County, sent an email to the committee about two weeks before they Wait, were supposed to hang give on. there. Before you go any further, we have standards in place. For our curriculum. Right. But if they don't meet those standards, we can waive it? Penny Schwinn will do that for you. Did you know? Then what's the point of having standards? Well, I don't know. I mean, and okay. you know, it's never been done before. I'm sorry. I, 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 looked, I looked back in Tennessee and, and rolled why, through. Why have a legislature or anything? I, yeah. What, yeah, just do whatever. Just do whatever we yeah, want. Yeah, go for it. Oh, Which, just does. give me a waiver. Sure. That's right. Can I get a waiver on my speeding tickets yeah. and things like that? I want a waiver. You're you're really not supposed to beat up your next door neighbor, but if he's really a jerk, yeah. I'll give you a waiver. Yeah, on yeah. It. Just nice. go for it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no. That's okay. So yeah, they got a waiver. They were told they needed to use a a uh, supplemental material to teach the foundations of reading. You know, we're talking about like phonics, fluency, uh, literacy, understanding, and whatnot. And the state, coincidentally, made that program that, and was giving it to them for free that Williamson County had to print and cost a lot of money. Mm. But they got this waiver. And so the committee, she sends an email saying, oh, we're, we think we're going to get a waiver. We want you to look at this, too. It's, it's a really recommended you know, curriculum. It's so great. And they have one day where the teachers had a professional development to meet and see all the materials. They saw the the teachers' manuals and the workbooks, and they didn't actually see the supplemental texts. Wit and Wisdom is a uh, they call it a like knowledge based kind of curriculum where they actually use literature, not textbooks. So you have certain books that the you know the class is reading, and then they do lessons based on parts of the books. So would that be why this particular curriculum has so many books? Yes. What does it does it, it has have a lot more of books. than more than other curriculums would oh, have because of that? Okay. It's no, it has no um, textbook. You know, it is like lesson by lesson. And some books they harp for, I don't know, 10, 12 lessons in a row. And then they kind of weave them back in. And it's really interesting because it's, it's very much a social studies type curriculum, not an English language arts. Hmm. It uses a lot of really, really I guess, politically charged, I would say, Sure. Uh, materials in that to teach reading. Well, that tends to happen in literature. Right. <laughs> Political charge. Right. I know. <laughs> well, well, if you dig deep into like CRT and SEL, when you look at CRT, they kind of how they put it into elementary education because they say, oh, it's a college thing. How it looks. So that's why you say to people, I'm against CRT and and a, with our school board, you know, people running things like that. You need to ask these people, okay, what is CRT? Mm-hmm. Because people don't know. And more importantly, they don't know what it looks like in the elementary level. 
And what it looks like is it looks like these small nudges over and over and over of injustice and Mm -hmm. of differences. And what they're teaching is political literacy. And then literacy just happens to be secondary. And so they're teaching you all these concepts of justice and social justice and even sadness, death and die and misery and poverty. And Mm -hmm. so they touch on all the things that divide people. And so then, you know, like I said, they're building good citizens. So they break these kids down and they desensitize them. And at the same time they're doing that, they're asking over and over and over, how do you feel? Write down how the character feels. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting a little pissed off having this conversation. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's a little unsettling. So, well, hang on. I had a question. I didn't get there yet though. Okay. So my question is when... And this may be for both of you. I don't know. You might. You both might know. When they approve this so quickly, mm-hmm. is that normal to be approve something that quickly? No, no. So then why? Why would why figured, would this one be the one where they just go? That's a yeah, really good question. Just shove it through. You know that I've not figured out just yet. You know, Gary, Penny's got something going in there, and I just know it. But yeah. I it sounds I like don't. A f- another follow the money. Yeah, video well, yes. let me let me let me dig a little bit into that because here's where here's where it gets political. So. What I would encourage everyone to do, expecting this interview, I, re- I wrote a commentary this week, and you can go to TennesseeStands.org, TennesseeStands.org, and I wrote a commentary about the indoctrination of our children. And what you need to do is go pull that up, and there's a video I linked in there called Who is Penny Schwinn? Now, interestingly, I did this video. Uh, it's a follow the money type of video back in August 2020. This was, I don't even know that we had publicly said the words Tennessee stands yet. (laughs) That was back in the recall Williamson days when we were fighting with the school board and I was trying to find more out about Mm -hmm. where's the root of all this coming from. Well, here's the the thing, because I want to go back to, Trisha, you mentioned these waivers. Right. And the waivers came from who? Penny Schwinn. Penny Schwinn. All right. Which was coincidentally, they took that privilege from her. She was pulled in before the House, and they yeah. talked about that whole process. And now she that. has to go back through the Government Operations Committee to do something like that again. Or right, whatever. and she has to have it voted on by the entire board. And by she the does board not, of yeah. yeah, and she's not a voting member. So, so as of today, they would not be able to cram wit and wisdom to, today through. Today, she would not be able to have, have singularly... Well, she visited every board member. I don't know how 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 close are they? You know, who knows? So back when that happened, if memory serves me right, we've got this is not by memory. We do have ninety five counties in Tennessee, but if memory serves me right, there were I think thirty three plus or minus counties that were given this waiver for written wisdom. And so here's the thing: you need to understand. It's political for a minute. Penny Schwinn was appointed. Into, was I think might have been the first appointment, but Governor Bill Lee, our Christian conservative, awesome governor, took office in January of 2019. One of his first acts was to appoint Penny Schwinn as our new commissioner of education. Now, you need to go back and watch this video at TennesseeStands.org, who is Penny Schwinn, because what you'll learn is what, what you will be dumbfounded by is how <laughs> we ended up with this woman in Tennessee. She came through an organization called Chiefs for Change, mm-hmm. which was a spinoff from Jeb Bush's organization, Foundation for Excellence. And if you go to Chiefs for Change and you look at their mission, just look at their mission statement, their mission, their whole mission in life 
is to place leaders in states across the country in order to spread diversity, equity, and inclusion amongst our states. So you have a UC Berkeley educated, former member of the Sacramento School Board, director of uh, schools to some degree in Baltimore, then goes to Texas and completely mucks it up. They essentially kick her out. This is who this is. Oh, yeah. This is the history of Penny Schwinn. And now here she is in Tennessee being appointed by Bill Lee, approving wit and wisdom by waiver against mm-hmm. against the it's never been done. There's never been a curriculum waiver. So everybody, oh, that, that was a first. That was a first. Wow. Yep. So everybody listening needs to understand because you're thinking to yourself, how in the world are people like Mr. Gibson feeling like they can even bring this stuff into schools in the first place? How do we have wit and wisdom? Why is all this happening? Well, I've been saying it for almost two years now. And shockingly, no one's primarying this guy. Mm, yeah. So if you want to go vote for governor, you're just going to have pretty much one button to push uh, on the, in the Republican Party, and that's Governor Bill Lee. But look no further than your governor, who after the outcry of parents all across the state refuses, refuses, flat out refuses to get rid of this woman. He says take it up with your district. So does she. Yeah. Which is interesting because if you file a formal complaint, which is the the process to say it's teaching CRT or the, the penny is the one who decides. Right. She's the one that says yes or no. And, and then it's the school and the district that gets penalized and the teacher. And so I really, really believe that wit and wisdom fails these kids and our teachers because it is a scripted curriculum. And many of them are that I've found now. And so, like I said before, is teachers aren't teaching anymore. Like that has been taken from them. They are now facilitators. They are reading from a script and then they are, you know, giving them what they've been given. And then they're being told by our superintendent and our administration to teach it with fidelity, you know, and do Mm. not deviate from it. Mm -hmm. And then we've got three teachers that deviated from it. They got suspended. And the principal that got suspended, that you can't tell me that wasn't setting a precedence. Mm-hmm. That was making an example, in my opinion. So, Trisha, thank you so much for the work that, that you're doing, uh, exposing all of these things, continuing to dig into wit and wisdom, social, emotional learning in our schools, tooling parents with this information. Where can, where can people find you? You can go to parentschoicetennessee.org, and it's all spelled out. Um, we're on Instagram, parentschoicetn. And you'll see some really good snippets of of wit and wisdom, of the teacher manuals and things that I've posted recently that are mind-blowing because, like I said, it's not just race. It says race in it, but it is misery and death and sadness and all those things. But um, And we also have Facebook. We're Parents' Choice Tennessee, and there's a group. We have a private group, and then we have a page you can go and like. Yeah. And people cool. sh- people should be paying attention because my understanding we can't talk about it yet, but there's right. some there's some action coming. Yes, yeah. there is some action coming and like I said I spent 6 months digging through all of wit and wisdom and all of the Tennessee Department of Education policies and all of Williamson County policies. And so when your own people are breaking their own policies and then when they're adopting things that are breaking the law, you know, like I said, these laws and this legislation doesn't matter until somebody holds them accountable. Mm. Until somebody says you're breaking that law, I mean, what a 
what does the, what good is the law unless you're you know holding them accountable? That's a great question. Yeah. So John Kevin wasn't here today. He wasn't. I wonder if this is a topic that Joe Rogan might have been interested. He probably in discussing would have. with probably probably. And there was a chair. There, there was an available an chair. chair. There's today. always an empty chair. Anytime that Joe wants to come Joe on the wants show. to show up. Anytime. <laughs> it's an open invite. Always. Hey, Clay Travis is one of our neighbors. He's in our. Hey, our, hey. you know. You know. That would be a heck of a show too. Wouldn't yeah. that be great? He's no. such a nice guy. His kids go to school um, at the same elementary school that mine. His does. funny enough, his kids go to the same uh, gym, like mm-hmm. gymnastics and cheer and all that. That my my girls do. And I see him every single time I go to pick. And every time I see him, I'm like, if he's not on the phone this time, I'm going to shake his hand and say, thanks for what you do. He's on the phone every time. <laughs> he's a nice guy. I can't get him. I can't get him off the phone. <laughs> so, Clay, you're, you're welcome as well. Mm. Trisha, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, Visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.